Our scripture reading this morning comes from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 2 through 10. I know a person in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that such a person... Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Was caught up into paradise and heard things that are not to be told, that no mortal is permitted to repeat. On behalf of such a one, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. But if I wish to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think better of me than what is seen in me or heard from me, even considering the exceptional character of the revelations. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. May God bless to our hearing and our understanding these words of scripture. For those of you who don't know, I have been spending my summer at St. Francis Hospital in Hartford, working in clinical pastoral education. This is an experience that is commonly required of seminarians, and what it means is an intensive experience of ministry done in a clinical setting, in my case, in the chaplain's office at a Trauma One hospital in the urban center of Hartford. I work with a small cohort of other students and the full-time chaplains at the hospital, visiting and praying with patients and family members, responding to trauma calls with a non-anxious presence, and providing spiritual support to the hospital staff as they go about their work of caregiving. What this has meant for me this summer is that I have spent a lot of time thinking theologically about suffering. I have sat with people who were in intense pain, who were afraid for the future and for their health, who were lonely and worried about their families, or who were trying to figure out a way forward through the grief of the sudden loss of a loved one. Suffering is a constant across the human experience, but different people understand and deal with it differently. Maybe when you have gone through challenges in your life, it has brought you closer to God, finding solace in the familiarity and comfort of religious tradition. Maybe the opposite has happened, and you have found yourself lost, wondering where God is and how God could let this happen to you 
or even make it happen to you. Maybe you've heard things like, everything happens for a reason, or it's all part of God's plan, or God never gives you more than you can handle. And maybe you've said these things to others. Maybe these thoughts have given you real comfort and peace, or maybe they have left you feeling resentful, abandoned, and without space for your grief or anger. Suffering is hard. There are no easy understandings. As a chaplain or a pastor, it is not my place to tell you how you should understand your own suffering or God's role in it. A life of faith means an ongoing process of trying to find God in all the experiences of your life, in a way that is unique to you and your relationship with the divine. I have preached to you all previously about the challenge of having suffering at the center of our Christian story in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And I expressed in my last sermon that for myself, as I read the Bible and live my life of faith, I do not, I cannot believe that God wants us to be hurt or in pain. But as I said on Good Friday, I also believe that some things in our lives are mysteries, without clear or easy answers, and that living in relationship with God means asking questions, entering into uncertainty, with a willingness to have your understanding change or shift over time based on where you are and what your spiritual needs require at that moment. As Paul understands it in this passage, as he's writing to the church at Corinth, he believes that God has given him the challenges that he has in his life. This understanding might be one that you relate to, or it might be one that troubles you, and both of those responses are valid for this text. But I want to focus instead on what Paul does with that suffering. The interaction that Paul tells us here in reaching out to God from a place of suffering and asking to be relieved. Amidst Paul's experiences of pain and hardship, he reaches towards God, hoping for a divine solution to the problem of his humanity. And instead, God comes back with a challenge. Live into the weaknesses of humanness, trusting all along that it is grace, not your own striving, that will carry you through. Don't try to escape the grief, sadness, and anger of life, but embrace it as containing all the beauty and grace of God. It's not necessarily a comforting message, is it? Paul is doing what we've all been instructed by scripture to do, to turn to God with our burdens, trusting God to remove them for us. But here, God makes no such promises. What God promises instead is that God's magnificent grace and abundant love are present amidst and in the very burdens we carry. Paul seeks a way out of his flaws and challenges, perhaps hoping to overcome them with strength, coming out all the more powerful. And instead, God presents an alternative view of power. God's power is not the power of this world. Mighty armies, shows of force, stoic determination, and warrior-like aggression, or the power of wealth and influence, 
things that are undermined by emotion, struggle, and uncertainty. No, God's power is born in and with the very breath of life and spirit of grace that lives within us and makes us at once beautifully divine and imperfectly painfully human. Power is made perfect in weakness. We are not perfect. We have plenty of weaknesses, failings, and flaws. We are not perfect, but God is. And yet we are told that we are created in the image of God. The reflection of God's perfection and beauty, even in our imperfection. And here in this letter, God tells Paul that it is in that very imperfection that the powerful image of God is made perfect. God took on the imperfectness of the human body and the human experience, and in doing so, made it perfect by proximity, not in power, but in weakness. In the weakness of a refugee family giving birth in a dark manger, in the weakness of ordinary fishermen called to a new vocation of ministry, in the weakness of a political figure executed by an imperial state, and in the weakness of a new church movement started in the shadows. Throughout all of the scriptural witness, it is clear that our God is a God who shows up not in the lives of the strong and powerful, but in the unexpected and transforms the world to do amazing, unpredictable things. It is in our moments of weakness, in our suffering, our pain, our confusion, our despair, and not in the moments where we feel most powerful, when we most need and yearn for relationship with God. And it is often in these moments where God most directly seeks us out. Jesus says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. God's desire is not for the service of the great and powerful, but for the imperfectly, genuinely human to come before God in all their reality and to welcome God even as they are. And God's role, and in turn the role of Christian ministry, whether it is in a church or in a hospital or in our relationships with each other, is not to fix or remove the imperfections of the difficult emotions, but to give them space and uphold them, too, as truly holy. It is here in what Paul describes as weakness, in our embrace of our powerlessness, our welcoming of grief, sadness, loss, and doubt, our acceptance of the deep need we have for love and relationship, that God's power is most clearly present and at work. This passage strikes me as particularly important today, July 4th, 2021. Lots of conversation recently in our country has been focused on the ways in which the American narrative that we all tell has been flawed and deceptive from the beginning bravado and work ethic mentality that obscures the ways our nation has built into its very structure systems of violence and oppression, traditions of shows of power that dominate the weak. 
But somewhere buried within the white supremacy and imperialism that marks so much of our country's history and identity are the romantic ideals that have carried our nation's development too. I think of Emma Lazarus's poem, The New Colossus, a portion of which is engraved on the Statue of Liberty. Not all the words of the poem show up on the statue, but when you read the whole poem, it gives a much fuller image. Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame with conquering limbs astride from land to land. Here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name Mother of Exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor that twin cities frame. Keep ancient lands your storied pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore, send these the homeless tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. These words, we must be honest, are ones that we have failed to live up to in actuality as Americans. But that does not mean that they are not valuable or that they are unattainable. Not by ourselves, certainly, but alongside the God of justice, who transforms power into weakness and weakness into power. The God who, according to Mary's song of joy in the Gospel of Luke, has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. That God calls us into relationship and into action to refuse the temptation of power and authority and to instead seek out the places in the world where there is hurt and to sit there, to embrace our own limitations and failings, our scars and our hurts, our emotions that trouble and confuse us, and to ask God to transform them into powerful, revolutionary love. To recognize the true ministry of the gospel is not in large-scale evangelism or fiery preaching of the masses, but in the act of coming to someone who is in pain and sitting with them in their suffering. Our God turns this held space into growth, advocacy, empowerment, and the potential for true justice. Whether it is through donating goods to feed the hungry, advocating policy and legislation that protects the vulnerable, or the act of sitting with someone in the grief of a life-shattering diagnosis. We meet God in these holy moments of surrender. When we seek not after power, but embrace and welcome our weakness in the presence of the grace of God, we announce with all our being that the fullness of God dwells in this world, here and now. May it be so today and always. Amen. <laughs>